Music is everywhere, and it is such a huge part of our lives. Knowing that, can we use it more wisely? My name is Don Culp. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, meditation coach, Reiki master teacher, and owner of the Zen Room in Gilroy, California. You can also find us online at www.thezenroom.net. And today we're going to be talking about music. and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Zen Room. So when I was uh, doing my meditation preparing for this podcast, anybody that's been listening to this program for a while knows that that's what I do, is I meditate to get some intro ideas, some transitional ideas, some, you know, flow ideas and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was interesting because I very, very clearly got that today's topic was going to be around using music as a tool. So one of the things that I wanted to do to prepare for this podcast was get a little bit of information around how much time we spend listening to music. I think I think we think of ourselves as only listening to music when we're in the car or maybe when we turn it up to, you know, do some housework or whatever. But the um, there was a, a new report released by Nielsen Medium sorry, by Nielsen Music, and this um, report was released in Forbes magazine, and basically the report concluded that Americans now spend just slightly more than 32 hours a week listening to music. More than 32 hours a week. Okay, that is almost a full-time job. But what we don't know and what would almost be impossible to calculate, track, is how much listening do we do when the listening is behind the experience? Meaning, if we're having lunch or if we're having dinner in a restaurant, they're playing music. Maybe it's really light and you barely notice it, but it's in the background. Um, when you're grocery shopping, there's music playing. When you are watching a movie, you are listening to music throughout the movie. Try watching Jaws without listening to the da-na-na-na-na. It wouldn't be the same. Um, music is everywhere and it permeates everything. There was a, um, a 2011 study done from, I'm going to mess this name up, No Feral at All. Okay, I'm going to spell it in case you want to look it up. K-N-O-F-E-R-L-E-E-T-A-L. So this 2011 study found that you can fine-tune the background music of a store to optimize it for increased sales by paying attention to the types of songs that you're playing and the tempo that you're playing. So what they found was the best tempo combination for boosting sales at a supermarket is down tempo in, in songs in minor keys. So for whatever reason, and, um, when people are listening to more slow, slightly sad songs playing in the background, the slow, sad song playlist averaged 12% greater sales than the fast, sad song playlist. So tempo was a factor. Um, the type of the type of music was a factor. So there are people doing studies trying to figure out 
what kind of music is going to make people feel like eating more? If you're in a restaurant, that's going to matter. Um, stores, as I just mentioned to you, there was a, a, a the study. How will you know people are listening? How do how do we sell more? How do we grow our bottom line? What kind of music can we play to make people want to buy more? So the corporations are very very aware that this is a thing. So if it's good enough for the corporations to elicit certain behavior, why can't we take this same information and use it to improve or elicit certain behavior in our own personal lives? So if we're listening to 32 hours of music in our own free time, meaning in the car when we're driving, or some people, hey, when I was in my... Teenage years, I would go into my room and I'd put on, you know, an album like Pink Floyd and I'd put on my headphones and maybe I'd put on my black lights and it would be an experience. I was actually in my room just listening to music. Um, I don't know if kids are doing that these days. I'm sort of out of touch with that. But music is a very, very, very big part of what we do. So um, anybody that knows me knows I'm a Snoopy uh, Charlie Brown Peanuts fan, like, extraordinary. Like, that's my favorite. Some some kids grew up with Scooby-Doo, and some people prefer Disney, and that's all fine and good, but my jam are the Peanuts, okay? And there, anybody who's ever seen The Great Pumpkin, and The Great Pumpkin is a cartoon that's played here in America around Halloween time, there is this scene where everybody's at the big Halloween masquerade party, and they're using the back of Charlie Brown's head to... Um, figure out what kind of pumpkin they want to draw, right? And it's, anybody who's seen it, they, they can literally visualize it in their heads right now. And there's this scene where this little boy named Schroeder, this boy named Schroeder has this ability to take this cute little toy kid piano and play Beethoven on it. And he, you know, it's this big, beautiful sound out of this little teeny tiny piano. And he is responsible for playing music to liven up the Halloween party. And Snoopy comes in and Schroeder is playing this very upbeat tempo and it's making Snoopy very, you know, smiley and he's marching and he's smiling from ear to ear and he's grinning and he's dancing and he's laughing and he's playing. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the song, Schroeder decides to change the song to some very, very sad, um, very low, slow tempoed very melancholy tune and all of a sudden within moments of changing the music Snoopy goes from marching and, and laughing to crying and pounding his fists on the top of the piano and he's just seriously you know distraught and then all of a sudden Schroeder changes the tempo again and he goes back to the joyful marching happy beat and then all of a sudden Snoopy's mood changes in a hot instant and he's back to smiling and grinning and marching and dancing and laughing and playing. And the reason that I bring that up is, you know, obviously that's a cartoon and it's sort of silly, but I know we can all relate to this in some way, shape, or form. So we can find ourselves moving through the world and then all of a sudden this song comes on the radio and all of a sudden we're like, oh, I just, my whole constitution has shifted. Either for the better or for the worse. <laughs> I guess it depends on the song. One of my favorite songs to listen to when I feel like I need a little pick-me-up is um, Pharrell Williams' song, Happy. Um, it's, no in it's no accident that it's called Happy. 
and the lyrics are happy and the tempo is happy and the vibe and the spirit and the way that the chords progress throughout the song it's very uplifting and gosh it just makes you happy so I'm I'm and and of course you know anybody that lives here in the states knows that that song went straight to the top it was number one and uh, you know uh, the despicable me wound up grabbing it as their soundtrack and you know I know that Ellen loved it and she danced on stage with it and so it it kind of took fire and in my opinion it's no coincidence because who doesn't want to feel happy who doesn't want to turn on that song and just smile and just feel great all of a sudden we turn into Snoopy who was having a maybe a hard day and we hear happy and all of a sudden we're marching and we're laughing and dancing and it feels great so if we know this to be true, why aren't we using this a little bit more to our advantage or a lot more to our advantage? So I, I think we, sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees. And like I said, music is everywhere. You walk into a store, it's playing, you hardly notice. You walk into a restaurant, it's playing, you hardly notice. I bet you when you get into your car, unless you're listening to news radio, chances are the, the radio is already on. It's such a huge part of our day. But I want to point out one thing, actually two things, that might help you realize the power or the influence of music in a slightly different way. I want you to think about a taste that you really enjoy. Maybe you love a good uh, sweet peach when the peaches are really just perfectly ripe. Maybe you love a good sweet beef, uh, beefsteak tomato when tomatoes are in season. Maybe you tend to lean more towards the spices and the salts. Maybe your jam is, um, you know, a certain kind of peanut that's been roasted in some kind of salt or spice, right? Whatever it is, I want you to imagine that you kind of have that flavor on your tongue right now. Maybe chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? And that elicits a certain response. And... We have very, very strong opinions about some of our favorite flavors. Gosh, that's great. I wish I could taste that every day. Or, you know, I wish that this was, you know, if music can be played in the background, why can't we always be tasting this lovely taste all the time? Why don't you now, for a brief moment, imagine tasting something that you don't enjoy? Like, I am not a fan of cauliflower. I've had it enough to know what it tastes like. If I close my eyes, I can taste it right now. It's not my favorite, like at all. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to go out of my way to find cauliflower, to eat cauliflower, to savor the flavor of cauliflower. Some of you listening are you going, oh my God, are you crazy? Or um, cilantro, there's another one. Ugh, not a fan. I'm so glad it's here for my husband because it makes his Mexican food so yummy. I'm just not a fan of it. It's not my preference. The thing is, we have a lot more control over what we put in our mouths than what we put in our ears. We can be very, very particular. Yes, I want the chocolate. No, I do not want the cilantro. There isn't somebody in the background layering our tongue with a certain flavor that we like or don't like without our knowledge. Right? We go into a grocery store, we don't get to pick which station we listen to. We just have to listen to whatever's on in the background. With our taste buds, we are we have full control over, or most hopefully most of us have full control over what we taste. Okay, so if we are walking through this world 
experiencing the world in every way, in every day, using our sight and our sound and our touch and our smell and our, um, uh, and our ears, right? Those are our five senses. If we are walking through the world and those are the ways in which we are experiencing the world and we have full control over our, what goes in our mouth, that's pretty much it. We really don't have a ton of control over what we smell. Sometimes we'll get a whiff of something and it's like, well, where did that come from? And I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. Who's responsible for that? Um, everybody looks to the dog, right? But we don't have a ton of control over what our ears are subjected to um, out there in the world. But we do have control over what our ears are subjected to within our own controlled environment, within our cars or homes or when we've got our earbuds on and we're at the gym, we are, we are choosing what we are going to pipe into our brains. The other point that I wanted to make, there were two points that I said, the first one was the, uh, was the taste. I want you to imagine looking at a picture or a photograph of something very pleasant. Whatever that means to you. Maybe it's a sunset. Maybe it's um, a baby laughing. Whatever your idea of something pleasant is. And that is going to elicit a certain response in the heart, in the brain, in the feelings, all of it. And then I want you to imagine looking at something terrifying. And that is going to elicit a whole different set of responses, right? For me, it would be a snake striking. I'd be like, oh my God, that's terrifying. And I would much rather not look at that picture. In fact, I'm probably going to rip it up into a million pieces and toss it in the trash and hope that I never have to see that picture again. Not a fan. We know the power, physiological response that we get when we look at something pleasurable versus looking at something not pleasurable. Why can't we realize that that applies to what we listen to as well? Especially because we are vibrating beings. If you ever wonder why, why does Dawn keep calling us vibrating beings? Well, if you look at any part of our body under a microscope, you will see that it wiggles. Um, and if it wiggles, it has a vibration. It's the vibration that makes it wiggle. So our eyes under a microscope are going to have a certain vibration. Our heart under a microscope are going to have a certain wiggle rate. And each part of our bodies have a different vibration. And if you were to look at the whole body and not look um, at each part individually or separately, you would realize that the human in any given moment has a vibration. And, that per and our own personal vibration is a collection of all of the little vibrations that we have going on inside of us. So you can tell when somebody is high energy, it's like, wow, they've got a lot of energy, they feel really good, versus man, I can barely get off the couch. I have low energy. Beach boys would call it good, good, good vibrations, right? So if we are vibrating beings, then harmonics in the world, with music being a huge tool in the harmonics category, of course that's going to influence us. There was a song released in 1932 called Gloomy Sunday. And it was later dubbed 
the Hungarian suicide song because not only were the lyrics so sad, the way the song was structured and the chords and the minor chords and those dissonant chords and the chords that just make your heart bleed were so strong and severe that they actually, the song called Gloomy Sunday, was uh, banned on BBC for 66 years because it was said that it was responsible for multiple suicides. I think it was like upwards of 20 once it was released. And people were saying the song was so sad, so sad that it was literally having people commit suicide. Now, okay, that's um, back in the 1932s, and I can tell you that we have gotten a lot more, um, I want to say, um, calloused maybe, unfortunately, to maybe horrors of the world. Maybe it's just what we've, we're so used to seeing in our media. I'm not sure. But this song, Gloomy Sunday, was so sad that it was banned for 66 years. How can a song be so sad? Well, first of all, the lyrics were very sad and heartbreaking and he had lost his love. And But the chords and the progression of the chords and the tempo of the song was heartbreaking. So much so, like I said, that it was banned on the BBC for 66 years. So on the flip side of that, there's songs like Happy from Pharrell Williams that do the exact opposite. They make us feel uplifted and want to dance and want to sing and want to be joyful. And we can feel the difference in these vibrating bodies that we have. We can feel the difference between a song that makes us feel like our heart is breaking and a song that makes us feel like we want to dance. So um, here in America, here in the States, there is a very famous um, film director named Alfred Hitchcock. And anybody that has seen um, any of his movies knows that he uses music masterfully, particularly in those very poignant scenes. There was, you know, the infamous shower scene where the music was just a single note. And it was very powerful and it, it, made the audience feel something that it had never felt before. So Alfred Hitchcock made this quote, and, and it's not word for word, but it's, you'll get the gist. Alfred Hitchcock says, in film, music represents the words that cannot be spoken. I'll say that again. In film, music represents the words that cannot be spoken. So basically, Alfred Hitchcock was saying he uses music to give a second language or an undertone or a feeling or a vibe that cannot be spoken with words. Using music, sound, notes, all of that. So again, it's not just the stores that are using music or the restaurants that are using music. It's the, it's, it's film that, you know, Filmmakers are trying to tell a story. They're going to use music to help tell that story. So again, the point of me doing this podcast is to say, all right, look, there's something known in the world. Minor chords make you feel one way. Uh, major chords make you feel another way. Um, there was a study done. Researchers from McGill University in Montreal did a study around uh, music and dopamine. So dopamine, for those of you, I'll keep this very basic, dopamine increases in response to stimuli such as food and money. So people who are hungry and they get fed, they get a nice little rush of dopamine. 
somebody just, you know, wins a million dollar lottery, um, dopamine is going to be increased. So dopamine is sort of known as the feel, one, I should say, one of the feel good chemicals released. So they decided to test uh, dopamine in response to music. Okay. In the study, levels of dopamine were found to be up to 9% higher when volunteers were listening to music they enjoyed. Okay, so a 9% increase in dopamine when the volunteers who were volunteering for the study were listening to music that they enjoyed. Okay, so what we're saying now is science is showing studies where dopamine or feel-good hormones are directly related to feel-good music, okay? Um, it was interesting. So I, um, over the holidays, had um, a friend come over to help us pull some stuff out of the attic. My husband had hurt his back, and um, a friend of ours has a son who's in his early 20s, and he's bodybuilder, so he keeps himself in good shape. And I said, honey, what are you doing this afternoon? I've got a proposition for you. I will pay you to help unload all of our Christmas stuff out of the attic because my husband cannot pick up anything very heavy. So he was a gem and he came and he helped us pull some of those things down from the attic. And, um, and we had gotten onto the discussion of music and he says, Donna, I've got a question for you. And I said, sure. And he said, when I go to the gym, there's a certain amount of music. There's a certain type of music that I like to listen to. Um, like it, it kind of gets me pumped. It gets me energized. It makes me want to lift more. It makes me maybe want to, I don't know, go for it more, whatever. And I said, yeah, yeah, I get it. Cause I go to the gym too. And I hear the kind of music that they're playing. They're not playing, you know, love songs. <laughs> You're trying to work out. Um, and he says, I'm just wondering, like, what does that do if I'm just listening to that? Like, maybe what some people might call aggressive music for 30 minutes or for an hour. Is it good for me? Is it bad for me? And I said, you know, it's really, really interesting question. I said, what I can tell you is this. If you have a strong emotional constitution, another way of putting it might be, if you have a strong emotional immune system, things are going great. Uh, you don't have a lot of stress in your life. You're not worried about jobs. You're not worried about relationships. You're not, you're not worried about anything. You are on a smooth sailing track. You have been for a while. Your energy is up. You feel pretty good. You're feeling pretty on top of things. You feel stable emotionally. I said a person like that can go to the gym, listen to maybe some of this aggressive music for 30, 40 minutes, and maybe it really helps them with their workout, helps them, you know, make them push harder, punch harder, lift more. I get it. And I said, hey, I go to the gym and I like to listen to some of that music as well because it does. It gets you fired up. It gets you pumped up. And I said, however, if you are not in a good place in your life, if you are not at a place where things are going well, maybe you're worried about stuff, maybe you're angry at someone, maybe you've got a chip on your shoulder about something I said, that's probably not the best time to listen to that kind of music because it's going to be, it's going to be too close of a frequency to how you already feel. If you're angry and you listen to angry music, it's just going to like push it over the edge. It's probably not the best music to listen to if your emotional immune system is compromised by worry or, or fear or anger. 
And I said, so I don't think that there's like good music and bad music. Um, I'll tell you, if you are in a, in a funky place though, listening to aggressive music may not be the best choice for you. So that, that one question that he asked me got me thinking about this podcast. Using music as a tool. We have these senses, all five senses. I don't want to look at a snake about to strike. I'd rather look at a puppy playing in a daisy field, right? One's going to do be much better for my heart. Um, when I, I have had points in my life, I am somebody who loves good horror films. Um, but I also will only watch a horror film if I feel as though I have a strong emotional immune system going. If I'm going through a hard time or if, if, there's, if I'm at a low or if I'm feeling like I haven't sorted something out yet, um, a horror film is not going to be my go-to choice because it's going to be too much for my system. Um, it's going to bring me down instead of, of me knowing that I have the emotional constitution to withstand it. It's sort of like if you're in a really, really, really healthy state, you've been exercising beautifully, eating beautifully, getting the right amount of sleep, drinking enough water, you are at the top of your game. You can, your emotional immune system, or sorry, your physical immune system is strong enough to maybe withstand a treat or something that you normally would never eat in a million years. But if you are sick and your immune system is physically compromised, that is not the time to eat the treat. You need to be as kind to your immune system as possible because you got to get out of this flu sickness or this cold sickness or this bronchitis sickness or whatever. Eating, um, eating a donut, drinking a beer, whatever, when you are at the top of your game is not going to impact you the same as eating that kind of stuff when you're trying to get over the flu. So if you, we know this to be true with our physical immunity. I'd like to take that same theory and move it over to our emotional immu immunity. If you are in a great place, everything's great, you're vibing, you're feeling good, you're feeling great, you can stand to listen to maybe some of that aggressive music a little bit more than somebody who's pissed off, ready to punch at the world because all that aggressive music is going to do is fuel your fire. Um, another example that you might think about um, we've all had the breakup. Oh, maybe it was in high school and oh, it was so dramatic and oh, you cried in your pillow and you thought you'd never get over it and it was terrifying and horrifying and your heart was bleeding. And all you wanted to do probably was listen to breakup music. <laughs> you probably wanted to listen to country music or the sad songs about love and romance because it was connecting with you. But I'm telling you, that's not the time to listen to sad songs. It's not the time to listen to heartbreaking music. It's not the time to watch, you know, heart-wrenching movies. It's not the time to, um, yeah, it's just not the time to do that. If you are going through a hard time, if you are feeling like you are suffering through a low point, that's the time to watch the comedy. That's the time to listen to your uplifting music. It probably feels like, ugh, that's the last thing that I want to do. I don't want to watch an uplifting movie and I don't want to listen to uplifting music. I want to be sad. Okay, well, hey, know thyself and do your thing. But if we realize that music has the power, just like visuals have the power to influence us physiologically and chemically in the brain, 
if we actually truly are in the place of wanting to feel better, music is a great way to do that. Now, some people are going to say, nope, I'm miserable. I need to sit in my misery. Okay, you got to do what you got to do. But if you are actually wanting to lift yourself out, music is a great way to do it. It's a wonderful tool. So, now we cannot control all the music that we hear everywhere. We cannot go into a restaurant and say, hey, can you change this? This is really making me sad. <laughs> you can't go into a shopping mall and say, hey, can you change this music? It's really, it's really making me this feeling. Okay, no, we can't do that. But we do have control over what we listen to in the car. Um, if you are finding yourself, and this goes for anything we pipe into our brain, including news. If we are finding ourselves irritated or aggravated, don't listen to talk radio that's going to irritate you and aggravate you even more. All it's going to do is send you over the edge. That might be the time to listen to an audible um, book on CD about something nice or something pleasant. I don't know, go listen to... You know, don't listen to Grapes of Wrath in that moment. That might, that might, you know, put you in a worse mood. Maybe you want to listen to, you know, Mary Poppins or something playful or nice or uplifting. What we listen to matters quite a bit. So knowing that what we know now, knowing that we have these different energy centers in the body, these chakras, these meridians, knowing that those different energy centers vibrate at different notes or different vibrations and we are one giant instrument do we want the world out there that we are experiencing through our senses one of those senses being our audible hearing our ears and we know it influences us it can influence us for the better it can influence us for the worse why not use music what we listen to as a tool to improve our everyday vibration. That is the point of this podcast. I hope that you find, I don't know, is it disco music that makes you want to dance? Great, play that. Is it banjo music that makes you want to tap your foot and, you know, whatever? Great, listen to that. Is it um, beautiful classical music? I'm talking the beautiful uplifting music, not the, not, not the stuff that makes you want to, Pull, pull the covers over your head and call it a day. Pick your music wisely, especially when your emotional immune system is down. When your emotional immune system is down, pick what you listen to carefully. When you are feeling good, maybe you can go for stuff that is a little outside the, the wheelhouse there, but for the most part, the point of all of this is I'm... I'm asking you to, to use music as a tool and think of it in a tool in a way that you've never thought about it before, okay? So, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of The Zen Room and for listening with new fresh ears to this idea that's been around for a long, long time, okay? Now that the, st the stores know about it, now that we know about it, let's do something about it. All right, everyone, have a good rest of your day and may the force be with you and I will catch you on our next podcast, but for now... Have a great rest of your day.